What's going on, FAU fans? Welcome back to the Owls 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fielder, site publisher for Owls 24-7. You can follow myself on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder. You can follow the site on Twitter at Owls 24-7. I know it's been a while since the last podcast dropped. I had some technical difficulties on the back end in terms of uploading episodes to Spotify and Apple, and I think we've gotten it figured out. It just took a while and you know, had to, had to figure out what exactly was the problem, but I think we figured it out. After some test episodes, we're just trying to publish some test episodes to see if it worked, and I think it has worked. And really, it could not come at a better time because this week is the biggest game, one of the biggest games, may very well be the biggest game, let's be clear, in FAU football history, as FAU will host the UCF Knights at home, 7.30 kickoff on CBS Sports Network tomorrow uh, if, you, if you're watching this on Friday, September 17th, again, huge game for FAU. This is a team that really needs a marquee win. They've not beaten UCF yet in three different trips, I believe. Uh, you know, one trip to FAU Stadium in the past, and it was a beatdown by UCF. And I would, in what I believe was Dylan Gabriel's first start for UCF. He's now at Oklahoma. UCF is still a very good team, but this seems like the most beatable UCF have been in a while. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, they're still a very good team, very well coached by former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn, who won the SEC, was SEC coach of the year, has so many wins under his belt, I believe he's got like 80 uh, something, around like the 85 mark in terms of career wins so far, a lot of those came at Auburn, this is a team that is going to be hard to beat, this is a team that's dynamic, and you know, I could sit here and talk about UCF all I want, because this is a team that I have watched in the past, uh, you know, for my work at Underdog Dynasty covering the AAC. But I figure that there's no better person to bring on to to talk about UCF and to talk about the program that currently sits at 1-1 one one following a 20-14 to 14 loss to Louisville than a person who covers UCF, who has been, you know, around that program now for the entire season, unlike myself, who's obviously been covering FAU. So today what we're going to do is talk to uh, Knights 24-7 site publisher Stephen Leonard, who was so kind to join us for about 20 minutes to talk about the UCF Knights and what they bring to the table. Uh, you know, we're going to keep this intro short because I don't want to ra- uh, ramble on for an hour about what this game means. We all know what this game means. I don't need to sit here and talk about what this game means, I believe. But this is going to be a great crowd, a great atmosphere. And I, I really appreciate Stephen Leonard for hopping on to talk about the UCF Knights, and particularly talk about some of the problems that this team has had through two weeks, but some of the strengths as well. Uh, and I think we also got into a little bit of discussion regarding their defensive coordinator, who does a little bit of rap on the side, some 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 freestyle rap. Uh, but overall, just super kind of Steven to, to join us for this episode. And without further ado, let's get into that. All right, FAU fans, uh, today we're joined by UCF uh, Knights 24-7 site publisher Stephen Leonard to break down the UCF Knights after only two games for you guys. It feels like it's been forever for FAU because they had the Week 0 game. But, uh, you know, Stephen, how you doing today? I I am doing well. Just finishing up some classes for the day. So. You know, this is... I, I want to get started with this last UCF game because I think it's been the the most polarizing of UCF, uh, you know, particularly under Gus Malzahn in the sense of you have the high moments and then you have some of these these questionable moments. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking particularly, of course, about the the loss to Louisville, what, 20 to 16 or something, you know, chance to win the game late, a couple chances to win the game late. 
what is the overall feeling, uh, you know, amongst F or UCF fans after that game? You know, I I feel like the overall feeling is probably that it's not going to be an 11-1, season like a lot of people were projecting. A lot of people were kind of being doomers, which is always fun because we went from JRP is going to win the Heisman to he's the worst quarterback of all times. I, I have seen a lot of people call for uh, Mickey Keene to start again, as as if we didn't see that experiment last season where it was a lot like JRP in the sense that if it was like ups, downs, you know, you, you had some good moments, but overall it was just inconsistent. Um, in that game against Louisville, because I, I had a chance to watch a lot of the second half, which I thought was really the epitome of that game in the sense that UCF had chances to pull ahead and had chances to win that game. What were some of the bigger issues that stood out to you, uh, you know, through that game? Uh, the offensive line is definitely probably issue number one, I would say. Uh, just the inability to look at stunts from the Louisville defensive line and handle that. A lot of pressure uh, on JRP. Also, his like reading the defense and not knowing when to take off. It's kind of an issue because he would take off when he didn't need to take off and then he wouldn't take off when he should. Uh, and then the drops, probably one of the main issues. The the drops are an interesting one, I think, because this is a team that has a lot of talent at wide receiver. And it starts with Ryan O'Keefe, who has some hamstring injury or, or some sort of lower body injury that kept him out of the second half of that 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 Louisville game. And, uh, you know, according to Gus Malzahn's comments, uh, I believe it was yesterday and now at this point, uh, may keep him out of this game. I, I think they're trying to bring him back. But what does this room look like without without, without Ryan O'Keefe? And how much of a loss is that for, for, for the UCF offense? Well, it's always a big loss to like have a captain be uh, questionable going into a game. Uh, they do like... Uh, the freshman Xavier Townsend. Uh, he had a good game against Bethune Cookman and looked okay at times against Louisville. Um, outside of that, Ryan really just plays in the slot, so it it really just affects Xavier Townsend's playing time. Uh, I would expect him to play a lot more, and I'd expect some tight ends like Al Caller and uh, more Gamble to slip it out. Gamble was super impressive in that first game against uh, South Carolina State or what, whatever the FCS opponent was. Yeah, I don't South think Carolina the name. State. I think I said Bethune Cookman. Yeah, uh, but I mean, honestly, they all sort of mean the same if you're a team like UCF where you just blow them out and it's a, a, a nice buy game. But Gamble was a guy who really stood out to me in that game and, uh, you know, obviously has experience dating back to UF, uh, you know, where he was sort of the backup to like Kyle Pitts and uh, last year was. I don't remember if he was a starter, but didn't get as many touches as you'd expect in such an abysmal offense last year for UF. But what are the early initial reactions to to Gamble's impact on on that offense? And what's the sort of challenges that he can present for the FAU defense? Well, I think just the dynamic, like the dynamic ability from a tight end position where UCF really just doesn't have that normally, at least since going back to like Jordan Aikens. 
because uh, he can he can actually run the defensive backs where a lot of tight ends you really you're giving up speed if you put a tight end out wide, which you give up some, but not a lot with him. You know, the the one final part that I really want to address on this offense is it, it was actually something that I saw on Twitter today, and it, it was something that stood out to me during the game, is the fact that UCF particularly has a lot of talented backs, and they have a lot of unique backs. Uh, you know, I, I look towards a guy like Mark Anthony Richards, uh, you know, former Auburn player who, uh, you know, who played high school down this area and has been, uh, you know, dating back to those high school days, were one of the more explosive players on the field and had the ability to really take plays to, to you know, big highlight plays for offenses. And yet, it seems like it's really Bowser or Bust in that backfield right now. What? Why is that? Because I, they have a lot of talent in that room, but it, it's unique because last season they tried to use that talent, and this season it's really just been Bowser or the the legs of John Reese Plumley, and you know you haven't seen uh, some of those other backs get involved as much. Well, I think Johnny Richardson actually is second in rushing yards behind Plumley, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I agree, they need to get more touches to people outside of those three. Uh, and specific, also Johnny Richardson probably needs more touches. Uh, last season, they had Bowser go down early against Louisville, actually, with an injury, which caused all of the like Mark Anthony Richards, Trillian Coles. They all kind of got like big games. Haven't seen that this year. I would love to see that. Seems like Bowser's not finding the holes as much as he usually does. Um, and I, I would hope that they turn to a guy like Mark Anthony Richards in that situation. Yeah, just uh, I actually do have the stats pulled up. Isaiah Bowser is second on the team with 125 yards, but is only averaging 3.4 yards a carry. And then Johnny Richardson is behind him at 106, but averaging 10.6 yards per carry. So 10 carries in two games. Yeah. Uh, the the defense is been. I think when you look at that Louisville game, it was the offense struggled, but the defense kept them in the game, and they were able to hold Malik Cunningham for the most part to to limited gains and, and limited action. Where is the, the strength of that UCF defense? And, and what's the, the group or the, the position unit that's the, the most accurate or the, the, the largest strength on that, uh, on that defense? I mean, I feel like it's hard to define one strength because there's guys in every room that I would say are the strengths of the team. Just like the leaders on the team, like Devontae Brown, they don't. No one really passes to his side, so he doesn't get to show off much. Um, then you have Josh Selaskar up front, that is the entire energy of the team. Kind of feeds off him, uh, and then Jeremiah Jean Baptiste at linebacker, really just coming up and thumping running backs. So I would say it's more like a collective effort than an individual yeah. room. You mentioned uh, Devontae Brown because he was someone that, when I was looking at stats, uh, I believe this was in the offseason, I was looking at uh, a couple of AAC teams uh, through PFF. He was a guy who got targeted a lot last year, and teams just weren't able to get throw his way, and, and they were targeting him a lot. It, it was unique in the sense that they were targeting him a lot, but he wasn't giving up much, and they kept trying to target him 
uh, how are those other corners? I, I know that uh, God, what's his name? Devon Wilson has has a pick this year, and you know, uh, Devon's safety. You know, the the secondary though as a whole. What what are the 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 takeaways of that group outside of you know a guy like Devontae Brown, especially if FAU is going to look towards the other side or you know look to attack the safeties in space. Um. Well, so Devon kind of has struggled a little bit in coverage this year. Um, he does have the interception off the tip. I think Quadric Board, who's the other safety, was the one to tip it up. Um, and also has a fumble recovery that Quadric Board forced. Both those two more so downhill that they'll come up and make a hit. Uh, Brandon Adams has seemingly won the starting position at the other corner. They've been rotating those two around. Uh, he's a very long kid, played quarterback in high school, uh, was recruited as a safety, just an all-around athlete uh, from Georgia. And then you have Justin Hodges, who's probably the most talented of all of the DBs at the night linebacker position. When you, you know, we've there's been so much talk with UCF about those sort of headline guys, guys like Devontae Brown and, and guys like him, but who are some, on, on both sides of the ball, who are some under-the-radar guys who have sort of stood out, you know, early on in the season and, and could be guys to keep an eye on, uh, you know, for this this uh, this upcoming matchup against FAU? Uh, I would probably say the two I'd keep my eye on the most are Jason Johnson, who I think he ended up leading the team in tackles against Louisville. Uh, transferred in from Eastern Illinois, was a three-time All-American at the FCS level. Uh, definitely one of the better players on the field at all times. And then Walter Yates third, who is a linebacker that transferred in from Savannah State. He played safety there. Didn't really play much. Uh, I think he tore something in his arm last year. And he's really came on. Uh, had a really good game against Louisville. Uh, had a sack, I believe. Very under-the-radar player that's probably going to affect the game at some point. You know, when, when talking to to Brent Dearman, uh, FAU's offensive coordinator today, he mentioned that the, the, the UCF defense is one that sort of takes on the attitude of their defensive coordinator. Uh, Travis Williams, I believe is his name. Uh, he was... Uniquely in the sense that he was Miami's co-DC or linebackers coach, and then two weeks later was the defensive coordinator at UCF. But how? What? what is sort of the, the brand of that defense? Is it really just flying to the ball, creating big-time havoc plays, and, and sort of making life a little bit harder on the offense because of that aggressiveness? I would, I would say that. Like, they, T-Will, as they call him, um preaches like if you're gonna mess up make sure you're doing it 100 percent. just always be running around always be aggressive always be going after like what you should be doing and that's i feel like that is kind of what the defense has taken uh as their identity just aggressive fast always going 110 percent pure effort 
was was T Will the guy who was doing those like rap videos in his car at at Auburn? Do do, do you remember? Yes. No. He he is the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> does he does he still do the car rap videos or is he sort of toned that uh, down? Because if he has, I I, I would uh, love to actually go find some of those after this. He'll, occasionally, he'll go on Instagram Live and rap in his car or well, his truck. Oh, so now he now he's doing them on uh, Instagram Live because I, I remember you used to just like record them on like a. Uh, one of those like air conditioning like phone stands that you just put hook up to the air conditioning and it was like so funny uh, yeah. uh because i i remember when miami had hired him that that was like the entire talk was uh you know oh cool we have a rapper now as our as our linebackers coach or whatever it was album, at that point. like a rap album hey I, i'm going to need to find this after this <laughs> because now i i am actually intrigued to listen to that because if he has a whole rap album I, he's actually not that bad as a rapper like yeah. uh, he's he's not your prototypical SoundCloud rapper in the sense that he's like just incredibly bad at it, but people still like him because he's corny or something. But getting back to football uh, and, and not the talk about Travis Williams rap album, but getting back to football, this is a game that you see or FAU fans have had circled on their schedule since it was announced. And I sure for uh, UCF as they try and assert their dominance as as UCF fans would claim it, the best team in the state and, uh, you know, national champions and so whatever. But as a a fan base, what, how well do they truly travel? Because I think we saw it a little bit back when they last played FAU uh, on the road for, for UCF and at home for FAU, believe, I think it might've been Mackenzie Milton's last year at UCF, the the year before he got, or the year that he got hurt, uh, but earlier on that season, how well does UCF fans or do UCF fans truly travel, uh, you know, for, for away games? Uh, well, it depends on where the game is, obviously. But UCF fans are typically one that travels well. I think the, they're projecting it to be about 60-40 or 55-45 um, for FAU fans to be the majority but still 40 to 45 percent of a stadium being away fans isn't isn't bad not at all (laughs) uh fau is actually the first uh ucf game i went to in 2019 so was it was it 2019 i don't remember if it was 2019 or because it was it was dylan gabriel's first yes yes because it was dylan gabriel that year and i think the year before fau went up to the bounce house and and played Mackenzie Milton or well, it was 2017, one of those years. But because I I remember going to the the away game of that one actually, uh, back when I was like 16 years old. But uh, you know, let's let's if FAU were to win this game, what is the one position group that you feel they need to be able to attack effectively to to gain control of the game and to to make life a little bit harder for UCF. Um, if the special teams battle would probably be the one I would say, because they've had punting issues again, a lot of kicking issues. They actually have an open competition going on between the freshman Colton Boomer and Daniel Barsky right now to see who's going to be the kicker for the FAU game. And then... There hasn't been many issues in the return game, but there has been a couple muffed punts. So I would say that's probably the position group that you'd focus on. 
is it safe to say that I, I know it's only been two games, but is it safe to say that that's sort of a a, a place that F or UCF fans are sort of hitting a panic button in the sense of through two games they've had punting issues, they've had kicking issues. You have you're already having an open competition at kicker. Uh, is there sort of a, a panic amongst UCF fans of like this could plague us the entire season, or is it? Oh, it's there's still been early. a panic button hit since 2020 with the special teams. <laughs> uh, UCF fans have never really latched on to Daniel Obarski, and that has continued every year that he starts. Uh, and then Colton Boomer had a quad injury uh, this summer. So he wasn't able to compete for the job. He's now fully healthy. So for I think UC- fans are more happy that the competition is happening now. <laughs> for UCF uh, in particular, and on that offensive side of the ball, what is the one X factor? Let's say if Ryan O'Keefe can't play, which it doesn't seem like he'll be able to, but you know, obviously there is still some time till Saturday, but. If Ryan O'Keefe can't go, who is the one X factor on that UCF offense that could change the game for UCF? Uh, well, I mean, even if Ryan O'Keefe plays, it, it would be Javon Baker. Uh, the wide receiver transferred in from Alabama. He's just, he's different. That's the best way I can describe him. Uh, he reminds me a lot of, like, George Pickens. Uh, just that athletic gift to just do anything on the football field i i think he was 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 he the one that like really transferred like super late in the process yeah so he had committed to kentucky and then there was some weird thing with his transfer credits that he couldn't enroll at kentucky and then i guess Uh, so he had to decommit and kobe hudson his best friend already at ucf decided this is the spot for me. I don't know if you want to do it. If not, I, I completely understand. But do you have a score prediction for Saturday night's game? I don't I don't think I have one yet. I really hate score predictions. Oh, I do too. They, they <laughs> only can make you look bad um, unless you get it perfect, which I've only ever done that once. So then then let's let's change that do you think I, UCF what what would you say is the confidence meter on on UCF winning the game by by any scoreline uh, whether they cover the the spread which i think is at like 9 right now or what, whatever like what what is your confidence level i'm confident that they'll cover okay I, spread. I i just yeah. i don't want to like put a score on it and be like ah oh, they scored they only scored like <laughs> 20 something points but the defense did really good Knowing so UCF, more, I, <laughs> yeah. Knowing UCF fans, anytime you put a score prediction on something, or really, I've I've experienced this firsthand uh, as as a serial tweeter on Twitter uh, who has a lot of opinions. I have said some stuff about UCF that I regret deeply because there is a real UCF Twitter mob. This this is not a fake thing that like fans of other teams say. There is a real mob, and it is. I, I love it personally. I, I love it as a as a college football purist and as as a college football fan in the sense that like UCF fans are so passionate about their program that if you say anything bad, they have stats and numbers to back it up almost immediately. Uh, and so I, I'm not even going to put a score prediction on it because I already know that if I say anything, 
you know, even if I say that UCF like will win by three, which I don't even know if if that would be my official score prediction, but I know that if I say that and UCF win by like twenty, I'll get I'll get a whole bunch of people in my mentions afterwards. Uh, Stephen, men, appreciate it a lot. Uh, if you want to go ahead and plug your your Twitter and all your stuff, uh, now would be the great time to do it. Uh, so Twitter and Instagram both uh, the same thing. S Leonard uh, two four seven. Uh, and then obviously nights twenty four seven. We're trying to build up what I think UCF fans want from a twenty four seven site, and we haven't had that so. That's the goal. Yeah, I mean, uh, FAU fans who are listening to this, if you are interested at all in keeping track of, of of UCF as they make this move to the Big 12 and FAU inevitably takes their spot and becomes the... the USF. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and takes over the spot as UC, uh, USF's uh, inevitable beatdown every year and, you know... FAU inevitably comes UCF's punching back. Uh, You know, I think we can all agree that UCF or USF is the right now the most oppressive fan base in in Florida because this is now year like three of. Yeah, I guess FAU fans just don't care. I, I, I think FAU fans or FIU fans rather have fully embraced that this is a rebuild because. If you look at that that depth chart, because I, I looked at this a couple of days ago, they've got like five starting freshmen on the offense. Uh, they are very much just rebuilding that program. But uh, USF, on the other hand, is trying to actively win and have not gotten there yet under under Jeff Scott. But uh, Stephen Mann appreciated a bunch, uh, and I guess we'll we'll see if UCF can recover after that odd loss to to louisville which i guess is the best way to explain it because it felt like they had enough chances to win that game and just weren't able to yeah all right Uh, uh, thanks thanks for having me as well uh it was nice being on (laughs) absolutely man uh i'm sure that if ucf and fau face off in like a bowl game or something which probably not but you know if they do we'll 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 definitely circle back to this but uh once again, guys, you can follow Steven on Twitter at sleonard247, nights247.com. Uh, and I guess we'll see Saturday what the results are from that game.